Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, rushing! Deep left field! This is way Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Hey there, Adley Rutschman. Get hyped. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today on Monday, May 23rd. Frank Stample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers today on the show. More prospect promotions, the weekend waiver wire, start or sit, and much more. Before we even get to, oh my goodness gracious, I guess we shouldn't be surprised, but it happened. Adley Rutschman, one of the top prospects in the game, the Orioles catcher, called up this weekend. He was promoted on Saturday, made his debut, went one for three with a triple and a walk. Scott, what are your expectations for Adley Rutschman, and where did you move him up to in the rankings? I uh, have him seventh in the rankings at catcher, immediate top 10 catcher in fantasy. Look, he was basically being drafted by one, like one even before he heard it, before he heard his triceps this spring. And, and then he kind of dropped just outside of the top 12. But the, the point is people were drafting Rushman, expecting him to make a major impact and soon. And I think that's appropriate because at catcher, I mean, how many impact players are there? Half the league is starting somebody who is completely dispensable and likely to be swapped out for whoever gets hot on the waiver wire. Uh, so I, I'm fine giving Rushman that immediate shot. And, of course, because he was drafted so high, I mean, people weren't drafting him. People weren't making that investment if they weren't willing to see it through. So he was, at the moment he got called up, he was already 86% rostered. In CBS Sports Leagues, now he's up over 90, appropriately. And, uh, you know, we've had a lot of big prospect flops in recent years, and and maybe that'll happen with him too, but obviously you got to take the chance on it, particularly a position where you don't have much to lose in doing so. And he's a particularly high-end prospect. I mean, he's the kind who, he had more walks than strikeouts at the time he was called up, great on base skills, really the perfect prospect, both offensively and defensively. I, I mean, I don't think it's a stretch to say Adley Rushman might be the best catcher prospect ever. So if anybody is going to uh, make an immediate impact, he seems like he seems like one of the likelier candidates. And I like that right away. He was called up Saturday. He was catching. And then Sunday, boom, in the lineup again as the DH. So I think we're going to see a lot of that moving forward for Adley Rushman. They need that bat in the lineup, obviously. Sevens across the board. He's ranked seventh for each of us, Scott, Chris, and myself. What I'm noticing here, Chris, is that while Adley Rushman is 91% rostered, he's only started in 51% of leagues. So I assume that should change by tomorrow morning, right? Uh, Yeah, I would guess that's just leagues that already set their lineups for last week before he got called up. Right. Um, it's hard to imagine and a scenario where you're not starting him. I, I guess it's possible you drafted both him and Dalton Varsho, and we do all have Varsho ahead of him. So that that's probably the only realistic scenario I could see where you're starting anyone ahead of Adley Rushman. Yes, the six catchers that we... Each have ranked ahead of Adley Rutschman right now. Salvador Perez, even though he's on the IL. JT Realmuto, Dalton Varsho, uh, Wilson Contreras, Will Smith, and Yasmani Grandal. All in and, different order, but those are the six. And I'll point out, like, you know, Scott said he might be the best catching prospect ever. He might be the best catching prospect since Matt Wieters, who famously was a disappointment for this same Baltimore Orioles team. Very similar uh, types of prospects actually highly drafted out of college, produced a ton in the minors, showed power, played discipline, all those things. And Weeders is remembered as a disappointment. I think it would be a disappointment if Adley Rushman had his career. But Weeders as a rookie was also 
right around an average major league hitter with a 288 average. So like there's still room for Adley Rutschman to disappoint this season and be a must start catcher. And my expectation is not that he's immediately a superstar. My expectation is that there's going to be some struggles, but at catcher, the bar is so low that like, well, Jared Kalanick probably wouldn't be a must start catcher, uh, you know, before he got sent down, but Joe Adele would have been. So, you know, I guess there's yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. It, does, no. it doesn't take much. It doesn't take yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. no, that, that's, that's a good point. It, it's, I can't, like, we have, we all have Rushman seventh. For him to slide outside of my top 10, it, it probably means he was so bad he got sent down. You yeah. Know? Yep. He, I, I could see sliding, like, I could see him struggling to the point, or, or maybe Mitch Garver, Alejandro Kirk heat up that, that he ends up dropping behind them, but he's, yeah. he's going to be, chances are he's going to be your starting catch the rest of the season. All right, let's move over to a pitching prospect who got recalled by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Ronzi Contreras, 20% rostered over on CBS. He gets called up on Sunday, and he was getting stretched out in the minors. His most recent start, he went more than five inning, innings down at AAA. Scott, do you think Ronzi Contreras is a must-add? Only 20% rostered right now. He's an exciting add. I mean, a starting pitcher for the Pirates without much of a track record. I, I don't know that I could go as far as must but if you were holding out hope for Spencer Strider making an impact in fantasy, uh, it doesn't look like that's going to happen anytime soon because he's having to play more of a setup role now. But I, I think Ruanzi Ro- Ro- Contreras, he, he has similar potential, similar strikeout ability. I mean, he has a more he has a fuller arsenal than Strider, that's for sure. He's got two breaking balls with tons of spin on both, tons of spin on the fastball too. He, he has weapons for sure. His issues are more durability, command, and sure, and and also supporting cast is terrible. Yeah, so wins could be hard to come by for Ronzi Contreras. Not sure how consistently deep he's going to go into his starts, but I think there's potential for lots of strikeouts. I remember when he was up earlier, Scott, you're right, the spin rates on the curve and the slider definitely jumped off the page, and he averaged 97 miles per hour with the fastball. That's Ronzi Contreras, 20% rostered. Chris, I'll come to you on Nolan Gorman, who we talked a ton about on Friday's podcast, but he made his debut this weekend. He had five hits, including two doubles, just one strikeout to two walks. I thought that was encouraging. And uh, but he didn't start against a lefty on Saturday. So mentioned in the minors, he didn't. He wasn't great against left-handed pitching. Again, this is Nolan Gorman. He's sixty-nine percent rostered, and I know that you won him in Tout Wars. So how much did you win him for? And what do you think about what we saw this first weekend? Uh, I won him in NFBC. He was got you. Either I think he was already rostered in Tout Wars. Um, yeah, I got him for one seventy-six. The runner-up bid was one thirty-four. I would guess that's. Probably around the mid-range of what you should expect to be able to get Gorman for. I think Scott said in his league he went for over 200. Yeah, um, over 250. I so think. I would say around 15% at minimum if you want to add him this week. Um, as for how his weekend went, like I, I think it's promising that he only struck out once. I think it's promising for sure that he was batting second on Sunday. Um the fact that he didn't play against a lefty, that is a concern, obviously, because it's going to be hard to live up to expectations if he doesn't play every day. And, you know, that, that might be a scenario where, like, just Jesse Winker last season, he put up really good numbers, but the the counting stats were a little underwhelming because of how often he sits against lefties. Maybe that's a situation that we see with Gorman. But that's not a reason to not add him, I would say. I'll point out also he he got two at bat Saturday still even though he didn't start mm-hmm. so like they if if they are going first of all I don't I don't think they're going to sit him like if he's good he's not going to sit against every yeah. lefty all season part of the problem is the Cardinals you, they they called uh, Brendan uh, uh, Donovan yeah Brendan yeah. Donovan they called him up before Gorman and he's been great and and there's not really a, a dedicated lineup spot for both so they're they're having to find ways to get Brendan Donovan in the lineup at least while he's hitting well I mean he obviously doesn't have the pedigree and I don't think the the skill set of Gorman so that may not last uh, but you know the the strikeout thing may not last for Gorman either his avoidance of strikeouts may not last we talked yeah. about how bad his matchups are next week it's like Strikeout pitcher after strikeout pitcher. Let me read those names off again. 
Uh, Jose Barrios, Kevin Gosman, Brandon Woodruff. Oh, Freddie Peralta's out now, so that improves the situation. Adrian Hauser and Corbin Burns. It's it's a tough, tough first yeah. full week in the majors there. But uh, at least they're all righties. Yeah. In terms of fab, I saw Nolan Gorman get added in two 15-team leagues so far. He went for 187 This is out of a $1,000 budget. 187 in one league and 203 in another. So, again, like Chris said, I mean, the floor, probably 15%. But if you really want Gorman, you might have to go yeah. 20 or 25% and, of your and, fab budget. And, and I might – and I, I don't think I'd personally go as high as – 10, 15 in, in a, if we're talking points leagues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Obviously, fewer lineup spots to fill and the strikeout issue and all of that. I mean, if you don't need a second baseman, still worth putting in a bid for him, but more of a hope everybody's sleeping at the wheel situation than, uh, than I'm going to blow everybody out with my, my bid for him situation. Last prospect happening from the weekend, Scott. We saw Matthew Liberator make a start on Saturday. His debut and then he was sent back down he allowed four runs over four and two-thirds but I think there's a chance he could be back because Steven Matt's dealing with a shoulder injury now uh, I guess Liberator would have to be down for at least 10 days or whatever it is but uh, what'd you see from Liberator is he worth holding on to in the meantime I don't think in the standard size league I'd be that motivated to hold on to him I was pretty skeptical of that skill set anyway and, and it was it was pretty disastrous first start against the Pirates so, yeah, I mean, he had a 9% swinging strike rate his last four starts in the minors and, and doesn't have much of a track record of striking out minor league hitters. So all, always rated highly as a prospect in spite of that. And I'm not going to rule out the chance he's a, he ends up having a great career. But I, I can think of a lot of pitcher targets I'd prefer to go for than Liberator. All right, and let's talk about some of those pitching targets. There was a lot going on this weekend. Take it away, Susan. Oh, my goodness. All right, Chris, why don't you kick us off here? Oh, my goodness gracious player from the weekend. I'll start us off with Sandy Alcantara, who threw the, I think, the third complete game of the season by starting pitcher so far this season uh, against the Braves on Sunday. Actually, no, he got the win. Sorry, it was a 4-3 win. He gave up zero earned runs, two walks, seven strikeouts on 115 pitches. But he was the, I believe, the major league leader in swings and misses on Sunday. 25 of them had at least five with all of his pitches, the sinker, the slider, the changeup, and the four seam. Really impressive start for Sandy Alcantara. I know he hasn't been quite what we hoped for um, this season so far, but I feel quite good about him moving forward, even if the, you know, you'd like to see more strikeouts, I suppose. And I'll tell you what, Chris, if those whiffs remain, I think that we're going to yeah. see a lot of, of strikeouts moving forward for Sandy Alcantara for the reasons you mentioned. I mean, to get at least five swinging strikes on each of his four pitches, I mean, that is just fantastic. Against a really good Braves lineup, too. So I think yeah. put that in, his, in perspective as well. His changeup, especially, you know, that's one he threw more in the second half last season. That's especially been a very good pitch for him. He had eight more whiffs. Uh, on 19 swings today, that's a 42% swing strike or whiff rate. He had a 38% coming into the start with that pitch. So very good sign. I think you probably missed whatever buy low opportunity there might have been with uh, Alcantara. Uh, actually, his name is Sandy. So get it right Sandy. next time, Chris. <laughs> uh, all right, Scott, you're up. Oh, my goodness gracious from the weekend. Who you got? Yeah, I love that you led into this with pitchers that can be picked up. And I, and I, I have one. I, at least at least one of us three will have a waiver wire pitcher. I can assure you that. I, I'm going with the last pitcher to pitch this weekend, which tells you how much thought I put into this exercise. I'm going with Michael Kopech, who one hit the Yankees over seven innings. It was his most impressive start of the year, I would say. But what made it so impressive wasn't just that final line wasn't that he got 16 swinging strikes on 92 pitches. It was that his velocity was way, way up. I don't know what got into him. His fastball was up 2.5 miles per hour on average. His slider was up 3.1 miles per hour on average. His velocities were basically what they were when he was a reliever last year. And he's pitched pretty well this year, well enough that like nobody's given a thought to dropping him. But it, it's it's also been kind of disappointing. He hasn't lived up to our full expectations for him he's had less than a 10 percent swinging strike rate which is really bad and uh you know the, the velocity drop i'm sure has a lot to do with it if he can 
like I said, I don't know. I don't know what got into him where he just started rifling it in at like a reliever over these seven innings. But if he can sustain that, then I think there's a lot more upside to be had here for Kopech. Yeah, I think the White Sox team in general was pretty amped up for this game, and rightfully so after everything that happened with the Yankees this weekend. I mean, Josh, Josh Donaldson is, I don't know what's going on there. Very weird thing that, that happened between him and, and Tim Anderson. There could be a suspension coming for Josh Donaldson, so uh, keep that in mind. Be on the lookout for that on Monday. Uh, but yeah, Kopech was fantastic, and, and as long as he can keep the walks down, too. I mean, that's that's been an issue for him at times this year when the control gets uh, out of control for Michael Kopech, then that's where he can kind of spiral there. Uh, Scott, a the couple... One- Go ahead. The one concern I do have, and it was still there in this start, was the uh, the slider hasn't really been getting a ton of swinging strikes for Kopech. He got four of them on 30 pitches today, so that's like a, what, 13% swinging strike rate. Four on 14 swings is a 29% whiff rate. That's okay, but for the season, his whiff rate is 15.9% with the slider. That is really bad that would be pretty mediocre for a fastball yeah mm-hmm. so by the way last season his his whiff rate was 36 percent. since since they've come up in, for the same pitcher here i mentioned michael kopech swinging strike rate was less than 10 percent entering they're side. different denominators right yeah so whiff rate is swinging strike per swing mm-hmm. swinging strike rate is swinging strike per pitch yeah correct so when you're talking about swinging strikes and whiffs just as a count, it's the same thing. Yeah, it swings right. and misses. But when you're talking about whiff rate, it swings and misses per swing, and, and swing yeah. and strike rate is swings and misses per pitch. So it's yeah, they're they're scaled very differently. Yeah, it's a little confusing too, and I think it's a good point that you bring up, Scott, because there are times where we reference swinging strike rate, and then times where we reference whiff rate, whiff rate, and you know ones on baseball savant and ones on Fangraph. So it's you know it's yeah. they're all very easily accessible, but you could get confused, and I, I think it's uh, worth bringing up. Uh, Scott, are you starting Michael Kopech at Toronto this week? Probably. Okay. Yeah, coming off this start, yeah. unless I just have a stacked pitching staff. And Toronto, by the way, I mean, we mentioned it before. Their lineup has not been as great. I believe they're 16th in weighted on base average, again, 18th against right-handed pitching. So it's not like they've been fantastic so far. Make sure to get Michael Kopech in your lineups. Oh, my goodness gracious, for me, Martin Perez. And we've talked about Perez quite a bit recently, but put together his best start of the season. As Chris punches his microphone again, I'm happy that we're uh, <laughs> right back where we left uh, off last week. <laughs> Good times. Uh, Martin Perez, by the way, complete game, shutout at the Astros. He allowed eight hits, one walk. He struck out five. He had 13 swinging strikes on 108 pitches. Looking into his season so far, I'm trying to figure out what has he done differently than years past. He's doing a great job limiting walks and hard contact. And he's throwing his sinker a lot more this season, which has led to his highest ground ball rate since 2015. Right now, a 56% ground ball rate for Martin Perez. He's 67% rostered at Oakland this week. Chris, is uh, <laughs> we're asking you this. In the year 2022, is Martin Perez a must-add? No, no. I don't know. Not for me. I... I don't know. Maybe you guys disagree and maybe this is me not being fair, but I just, I don't see enough in like, again, maybe this is my own bias and maybe I'm limiting myself and I need to open my, my, my heart (laughs) to the possibility of more, but like when the like primary difference between a player from one year to the next is they're throwing their sinker, you know, 30, 39% instead of 25% of the time. It's just like, that doesn't seem like a really like big enough deal to change my evaluation. Like Martin Perez looks like a different pitcher right now and he's getting a ton of ground balls, but like, I don't think the limiting walks thing is sustainable to this extent. And I just, I, I just don't see any reason to be excited about him. I'm sorry. Look, I don't want to be the, on the record as uh, like buying into Martin Perez because I think, I mean, just look at his track record. Odds are this falls apart spectacularly. But at the same time, 
the guy has a 164 ERA, and we're we're after eight starts, we're near the end of May, and his ERA is 164. And these are not like four and five inning starts that he's making. And he just complete gamed the Astros of all teams. And it's just like, okay, yeah, you have to pick him up. I mean, there, there's there's somebody you can live without on your roster, and the way he's going right now, you pick him up just to see where it goes. And and look, maybe you can flip him for somebody you like a lot more. I'm mean, probably not right after you pick him up off the waiver wire, but if he has another couple starts like this, maybe you can flip him, and and that would be that would he would he would have served his purpose in in that alone. Uh, but even if you can't, I don't know. I just don't see a lot of downside to picking him up. All right. Well, would you pick him up, Scott, ahead of these names? These are waiver wire pitchers. Part one, Martin Perez versus Zach Eflin, who posted a career high 12 strikeouts against the Dodgers on Sunday. Uh, he's 50% rostered. He's at the Mets this week. Christian Javier was on the other side of Martin Perez, was quite good in that game as well. Six innings, one run, nine strikeouts. He is 61% rostered. And then Hunter Green has now allowed two earned runs or fewer in three straight starts. He's 68% rostered. He's up against the Cubs this week. So all these names between 50 and 70%, Scott. Perez, Eflin, Javier, Green. How do you rank those four? Javier. I think Javier is good, and hopefully this is when he sticks in the Astros rotation. Uh, The close call is between Perez and Green for me, because talent-wise, Green obviously blows Perez away. But I, uh, he's on a terrible team. I mean, not that the Rangers are great, but the Reds are terrible. And I'm not sure how limited he's going to be as a rookie. Um, I'm not sure if, if he can sustain this, this model of 50% sliders being the solution to what ails him. It's worked his last three starts, but I'm not sure how sustainable that is. So I have a lot of questions about him. And if I could trust him to take on the workload, I know Martin Perez is going to take on that would that would probably be enough for me. But I, I think I lean Perez over Green, but it's very close between those two. So Javier, Perez, Green, and then Eflin, pretty far behind them. No love for Eflin, huh? Uh, what I noticed no, I, Sunday is he threw his curveball more, thirty three percent, and that's far and away his, his best his best whip pitch. Best yeah, pitch. yeah. I mean, if he can keep doing that, then it changes the math. Twelve strikeouts against the Dodgers is very impressive. But I, I would take all of these pitchers ahead of Martin Perez. I just can't bring myself to get excited about sinker baller Martin Perez, you know? like I don't blame like, you. I mean... Like, yeah, I just... Like, I think there's only ERA possibility there. And, like, that's not nothing, obviously, but... Well, if he's going six consistently, he's going to win some games. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Six plus I, consistently. Yeah, I just, it all goes back to, like, he can. He's physically capable of it. I just, I so, think when his ERA is closer to four, he's not going to be going six very often. So what in in uh, Zach Eflin's track record? I mean, obviously, if he can keep doing what he did in this start against the Dodgers, but we have no reason to believe he can based on one start. It's not that I'm super excited about Zach Eflin on his own merits. It's mostly just that... Like he's been better than Perez the last two or three years. He's at but neither least of them gotten, have been worth rostering. Right, but I, I I'll take the guy who's got a little more strikeout upside. Okay, you know. Yeah. Well, there's actually a bunch of other starting pitchers as well. So let's just kind of talk about all of them. Waiver wire pitchers part two here. These are less than fifty percent rostered. Michael Lorenzen back to back quality starts. Uh, Bailey Ober made his return on Sunday. He was solid. Five innings, one run ball. Four strikeouts at the Royals. Brady Singer was on the other side of that game. He threw seven shutout innings with three strikeouts. And then Johnny Cueto, solid at the Yankees. Back-to-back, six shutout inning starts, quality starts. He's 23% rostered. Chris, how are you ranking this group? Lorenzen, Ober, Singer, Cueto. Uh, you, you left out the relevant details in the Lorenzen back-to-back quality starts part. It was that both came against Oakland. That's who, That's right. God, I'm trying to go through their lineup right now. They've got like two left-handed batters, maybe three. Um, and that's been the issue for Lorenzen so far this season, is he just has not been able to get strikeouts on lefties. Um, so I'm just looking, yeah, for the season, he has 10 walks to eight strikeouts and 75 plate appearances against left-handed batters. That's a strikeout rate 
that's a strikeout rate about, I don't know, 11%, which would be pretty mediocre for a swing strike rate, let alone a strikeout rate. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I remain skeptical. I, there are things to like, like his swing strike rates this season have been very healthy. You know, he's got multiple pitches that he can get whiffs with. He just, he's got that such an obvious platoon issue that I just, I can't get excited about Michael Lorenzen until he finds a way to fix that. All right. Is there anyone you actually like from this group? I'm interested in Singer. Anytime a young guy who, um, you know, was a reasonably well-regarded prospect shows well, I'll, I'll be more interested. Like I'm more interested in him than Martin Perez. I think at this point, Mm -hmm. Singer throwing his changeup so far, uh, more this season. And he's predominantly been sinker slider in the past. And, uh, it's worked so far. It's a small sample size. He's yeah. at Minnesota again this week, so I'm not sure you want Singer to completely had, trust it. Singer had that like crazy swinging strike total, 18 swinging strikes last time. It was down to eight on 95 pitches, which is mm-hmm. more which we expect from him. The one I like from this group is Bailey Ober, who is coming off the IL and uh, strong numbers in the minors. I mean, in the majors last year, he looked pretty good too. My hesitation with him is the twins are being so careful with him. He has, this was his fifth start, obviously just spent time on the IL. So this was his fifth start and none of the five starts has he thrown even 80 pitches. And let's see, let me look at last year, how often that happened. So only once last year in 20 total starts, did he throw even 90 pitches? So they're just, and like, he's this big guy. He's, Six foot nine. I I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why they they they're treating him like he's delicate, but they are, and so that that makes me wonder how usable he's going to be. It might be a third no time through well the order thing. That's what I was thinking I, too. Maybe it may yeah. be. Yeah. Um. So I was going to say him over Eflin from the previous group, but I'm hedging on that. I mean. I, I like. I wish I knew if <laughs> I wish I knew if Eflin could plan to do this with his curveball moving forward. Because like, if he has this in him, that's a very exciting prospect. Like that, the the metrics on the curveball are great. He gets a ton of whiffs with that pitch, and like we've seen a lot of pitchers have find success over the past three years just by throwing their best pitch more. So like, I could see this being a path to success for Eflin, but. Seems like the more likely scenario is just he goes back to his normal usage and it's back to a four ERA with seven and a half K per nine. So at, at least in the majors, Bailey Ober has had more of a second time through the order problem. Uh, he's got a 672 OPS allowed the first time through the order and a 653 the third time through the order. Second time through the order is 896, which is bad. Not great. <laughs> Not great there. A few other names that popped up this weekend and just have been solid uh, all around recently. Alex Fiedo, Taiwan Walker, Austin Gomber. Zach Thompson has allowed just one earned run over his last three starts. Uh, Justin Steele has 19 strikeouts over his last two starts. And Jeffrey Springs has been pretty pretty good for the Tampa Bay Rays transitioning into a starter role. Uh, Scott, any names pop out here for you? Jeffrey Springs, Steele, Thompson, Gomber, Taiwan Walker, Alex Fido. Well, you know I like Fido. Yep. Especially now that it looks like he has a permanent spot in that Tigers rotation, at least for the foreseeable future. The velocity on the slider was down over two miles per hour in this start, and that seems like the make-or-break pitch for him. He didn't get a lot of whiffs. So I don't know what happened there, but hopefully he turns that around next time out or he's not going to be very usable. The one who I was even prioritizing ahead of him uh, with my waiver wire pickups this weekend, though, was was Jeff Jeffrey Springs of the Rays, who this five and two third inning start against the Orioles, like that's that's the first time I really noticed. Oh, they're treating this guy like a conventional starter. It's not just an opener situation. Mm-hmm. And, and and so I was forced to take a deeper look at him. His swinging strike rate. So he had sixteen on eighty pitches in this start, which is a great rate on its own. But for the season, it's over fifteen percent. That's elite. That's elite. If he can if he can do that as a starter, that's a, there's a lot of upside there. 
And he did have four walks against the Orioles in this start, but only 2.3 per nine on the year. So it, it's not like that's a that's going to be what holds him back. It's it's interesting. If if the Rays continue to use Springs this way, then I think he has the potential to be an impact pitcher in fantasy. Yeah, I think the key for him, yeah, he's got really bad reverse splits. Um, Jeffrey Springs does. He's a lefty. Before his career, lefties are hitting have an 842 OPS against him compared to a 717 for righties. Now, you're, you're only talking about 223 plate appearances against lefties, so still a pretty small sample size. But his slider uh, last season got crushed. Uh, 422 expected Woba allowed. Five of the eight or nine home runs he gave up were on that slider. And so, you know, that's one where it's such a glaring issue. Like you usually don't see the reverse splits and I guess you can mitigate that because most teams Well, yeah, how many left-handers... Yeah, most teams aren't going to be able to put seven lefties in the lineup anyway, so... Mm -hmm. His changeup is his best pitch and that's usually something that neutralizes opposite-handed hitters, so that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. He's throwing his changeup a lot more this season. um, Yeah. Overall, which is partially, I think, just a reaction to him facing more uh, more righties than he did last season on a rate basis, which is probably not a bad thing for him. Yeah, I was going to mention that changeup is really nasty. 24.5% swinging strike rate for Jeffrey Springs. The chase rate on that pitch is 53%. I think league average is around like 30, 32%. So yeah, a that's, 53% that's O-swing. That, that's, that's a really good pitch for Jeffrey Springs. He's just 8% rostered. He's against the Yankees this week. So I don't know if you want to start him necessarily, but yeah. I do think he's interesting and, and someone you should consider adding in those Although deeper leagues. Although those reverse splits, you know, this is not a Yankees team that true has got a lot of left-handed pop. I guess it's really just Rizzo and Gallo. So. And Gallo's on the COVID IL. That is true. Before we hit there the break... Make sure to join our Fantasy Baseball Today Facebook group. That's facebook.com slash groups slash Fantasy Baseball Today. Really fun community. A lot of our listeners, people who watch us on YouTube, they're asking questions, waiver wire, prospect-related questions, dynasty, keeper, trades. It's a fun community to be a part of, and I would recommend joining up if you have a Facebook. So make sure to do that. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back right after this. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. The news and notes. Steven Strasburg is scheduled to begin a rehab assignment on Tuesday. He has not pitched since June of last year due to thoracic outlet syndrome, so... I think we have to keep our expectations realistic, but it would be nice to see Strasburg back on the mound. Fernando Tatis has begun fielding slowly rolled grounders, but he has yet to resume swinging a bat. This is just me speculating, but I'm not sure how realistic a June return is for Tatis just because I've heard nothing about it, and we're about a week away from June. So I don't know if you guys have heard anything, but... I know, I know originally... Well, I, June, I mean, the fact he's not swinging a bat, yeah. much less taking at bats. I, I don't and, know that I rule out all of June, but certainly not early June. And and remember, he didn't play at all in spring training, right? So you're probably looking at a spring training-esque uh, ramp up. You know, not necessarily a four-week rehab assignment, probably like a two-week maybe, but you're probably going to see him down at the you know, alternate site or, or something like that for, you know, a little while to, to get up to speed before he's even playing in games. So yeah, I think June looks less likely right now. Mm -hmm. Clayton Kershaw 
is likely a couple of weeks away from throwing a bullpen session. He's on the IL with inflammation to his right SI joint. Uh, Matthew Libertor, I mentioned earlier that he was optioned back to AAA. Steven Matz was removed from Sunday's start due to left shoulder stiffness, so perhaps that creates an opening for Libertor in the future. Aroldis Chapman received treatment for an Achilles injury on Sunday after giving up two runs. Clay Holmes has been amazing for the Yankees this year. He is... I'll pull up his roster rate, but so far this season, he's got 0.42 ERA. He picked up his fourth save on Saturday. Chris, would you be looking to add Clay Holmes given this Aroldis Chapman injury? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure whether I'd be willing to start him right away, but... uh... Yeah, I think you you absolutely want to take a look at him, especially in your, you know, fifteen team leagues, especially. But even twelve team roto, I, he's looking worth a uh, a speculative ad. I, like I was on a Marlins podcast on Friday, and they asked me like, who is the Marlins guy if you're speculating on saves? And I was kind of like, nobody. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't really have a good sense of like who the person who who is most likely to get the next five saves for the Marlins. So like I might rather just take a chance on Clay Holmes than anyone in the Marlins bullpen right now. Yeah. He's 53% rostered. So he's already been added in some leagues and I picked him up in the for the people league a couple of weeks ago. That's a saves plus holds league. So uh, any type of format like that, especially whether he's getting you saves or holds, it doesn't matter. Clay Holmes has been awesome for them. Reds manager David Bell said Sunday that Nick Lodolo has been cleared to restart a throwing program, but won't be ready to rejoin the rotation in the near future. Justin Upton signed with the Mariners on Saturday. He hit 17 home runs in 90 games last season. Scott, do you have any interest in Justin Upton in deeper leagues? Mm, have to be pretty deep. I don't, I don't, <clears throat> think the playing time is going to be that consistent. I have a soft spot for Justin Upton. He was, I started playing fantasy right around the time when he got called up. So I have his Diamondbacks jersey from back in the day. I love Justin Upton, but uh, I hope he can make an impact this year for the Mariners. Dylan Carlson was out of the lineup Sunday with a tight left hamstring, and he could be bound for the IL. Tarek Skubal was removed Friday after taking a liner off his leg. He does expect to make his next start. Andrew Heaney threw a 30-pitch bullpen session Friday. He's 70% rostered and should be stashed wherever he is available. Riley Green played in an intra-squad game at the Tigers spring training facility on Friday. He's essentially redoing spring training. So maybe Riley Green is back in a month or so. Chris, I know I asked you about him recently. 47% rostered is Riley Green. But it seems like news is a little bit more optimistic for him now. Um, yeah, I mean, the fact that he's going to redo spring training probably means a month. And then I don't know if it's 100% clear if he's going to just go to the majors once that happens. I mean, I know that was the plan coming out of spring training, but after you know, missing a couple months, is that still the plan? I'm not so sure. So I don't know. It's, it's tough to stash once you're at this point in the season with injuries piling up and all that. But yeah, I, I, I think he's a fine stash. All right. Reds prospect Jose Barrero. He started a rehab assignment on Friday. Apparently, they're going to take their time and it's going to be a long rehab assignment for him, but a name to watch in those deeper leagues. Yandy Diaz was out of Sunday's lineup due to a strained left shoulder. Taylor Trammell was recalled by the Mariners and started in right field on Sunday. Two Yankees pitchers need Tommy John surgery. Reliever Chad Green. It's a pretty big blow for them. Not as much for fantasy. And prospect Luis Heal. Uh, Carter Keyboom also undergoing Tommy John surgery, which means Michael Franco will remain the Nationals' starting third baseman. Red starter Connor Overton was scratched Sunday with back soreness. And Aaron Ashby will start at some point during the Brewers' upcoming road trip, uh, though the team has yet to announce which game. I believe they announced that even before Freddie Peralta got hurt on Sunday. Uh, we'll talk about Peralta in just a little bit, but Scott, it seems like there's a very clear opening for Aaron Ashby now. Yeah, beyond just the, okay, we need a six starter right now because we're playing a bunch of games in a row. That's the role he's been filling to this point, so it's it's been hard to get behind him as a fantasy asset. But he's another pitcher who's seen his velocity tick back up to where it was last year. Recently, he had the the eight strikeouts and four innings of relief to turns two outings ago and has a lot of upside. So I, I would say uh, he's right up there with Ruanzi Contreras, maybe even a little ahead of him in terms of how interested I am in adding him 
Okay. Yeah, that was going to be the next question. So, you just for clarity's sake, you would take him over Contreras with the Peralta injury. Yeah, I would because that that he may never look back. Like this, this may be what gets him in the rotation for the rest of his career. Because it's not like Adrian Hauser deserves to be a fixture in that rotation. Players who went to the IL this weekend, Max Scherzer officially placed on the IL with that oblique strain. Freddie Peralta, as I mentioned, he left Sunday start with right shoulder tightness. Very unfortunate because he really was coming around recently, uh, and he is headed to the IL, which uh, opens that spot for Aaron Ashby. Andrew Kittredge went to the IL with lower back tightness. Oh, I don't know who we're going with <laughs> when it comes to Tampa Bay. I don't think they know who they're going with. They're probably just going to bounce around like they always do. But uh, Chris, is there one or two names that stand out, like a Brooks Raley, Jason Adam for saves in Tampa Bay? Yeah, Brooks Raley got the first two save opportunities without Kittredge, didn't he? Am I, am I making that up? I know. I think he has three saves well, on the season, but... Yeah, that's, I think... That was, that was with Kittredge still healthy. He just... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think Rayleigh would be the guy I would go with. His numbers look really good, so... Jason I mean, Adams do, too. Yeah. yeah. And he's a right-hander. He worked the fourth inning of today's game. Yeah, so. that's... That's the problem, yeah. Jason Adam pitched in the fourth inning of that game. Brooks Rayleigh then pitched the fifth and the sixth. J.P. Fireisen pitched in the seventh. Uh, Ryan Thompson came in for the save in the ninth. He gave up two runs and takes his third blown save. So, I I imagine, look, they were mixing it up even with Kittredge there, though I, he, he was clearly the top leverage guy. I'm, I'm guessing it'll be even more of a mix while yeah. he's out. All right, Eduardo Rodriguez went to the I.L. with left rib uh, a left rib cage sprain. Mike Clevenger with a right tricep strain. So that'll get Mackenzie Gore back in the rotation. He started on Sunday. Looked very good. Brandon Belt with right knee inflammation. Joey Gallo and Kyle Higashioka went on the COVID IL. And then Josh Winder landed on the IL with a right shoulder impingement. What do we do with these banged up hitters right now? Start or sit for this upcoming week? Jazz Chisholm was removed from Sunday's game which stinks because he's like one of the best second base slash shortstop hitters right now uh, due to left hamstring tightness. Scott, what do you think about Jazz for this week? I don't feel like hamstring quad stuff. I, I feel like usually that results in an IL stint. So I'd be careful with this one. I, I, if, if I could avoid starting him, I think I would. The good news is the Marlins play at 640 the first game is at 635 tomorrow so okay we'll have an idea if he's in the lineup at least if he's not i think you probably just have to sit him all right taylor ward has missed two straight with a stinger in his arm apparently he crashed into the outfield wall on friday uh he will receive an mri on his shoulder slash neck area on monday uh chris what do we think about taylor ward for this week i think anytime you get an mri involved especially with what's already been a multi-day absence you probably want to Avoid it, but it could come I, back and he could be fine. I, I will say he's he's said, even with the news of this MRI, that he plans to play Tuesday. So hopefully, probably not since it's a West Coast team, but if if we don't hear anything new on Monday, I'm probably going to start him. He's been the best player in fantasy, but it's it's it, it could obviously uh, it could obviously go wrong. Wander Franco has sat out two straight games with a right quad injury. Scott, you were just talking about quads and hamstrings. Probably play it safe with Wander. Yeah, probably. I mean, uh, however much you can. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not easy to find a replacement shortstop. <laughs> it's even harder to find a catcher, especially if you play in a two-catcher league. Wilson Contreras is day-to-day -day with a strained right hamstring. We'll see what happens with him. J.D. Martinez was scratched Sunday due to back spasms. Frankie Montas exited Saturday's start after being hit in the hand with a line drive. Uh, Chris, would you still start Montas against the Texas Rangers this week? I would prefer not to unless I hear something. I mean, it's... It's always so tough because starting pitchers, they don't necessarily have to make a move immediately. But yeah, it's that's a concern. I'm surprised we haven't heard anything one way or the other about yeah. his status, considering this was Saturday. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I, I guess no news is good news. I right? saw that. I think he was playing catch on Sunday. So that should that pretty be good. Yeah. I have to look into it more, but I think I saw, yeah, he was playing catch on Sunday. That's Frankie Montas, so um, should be good to go, but 
you know, something to, to monitor there. Nelson Cruz left Sunday with a sprained left ankle. Ramon Laureano out of the lineup Sunday, receiving treatment for swelling in his hand. So two more names to pay attention to there. Waiver wire hitters from the weekend. Scott, did we write Jerkson Profar off too soon? Seven hits, two steals this weekend. He's 64% rostered. He's got seven home games this week, including three against the Pirates pitching. Yuck. I don't think we wrote him off too soon. No. I am surprised how long people held on to the idea of Jerks and Profar. Even mm-hmm. now, he's batting 217. And I don't think any of the hits this weekend, no, not, not a single one of those hits this weekend was for extra bases. Okay. What about Patrick Wisdom? Home runs in three straight. He's now up to nine homers for the season. He's 66% rostered. He's got six road games this week, including three at the, it, may, it might even be four. It's either three or four at the Reds. So obviously Reds pitching and, and in that ballpark. Um, a 40% strikeout rate for Patrick yeah. Wisdom. He strikes out so much, but he's 98th percentile in barrel rate. So, Chris, I don't yeah. I don't think you could do it in a points league, but in a categories league where you need pop, sure. Yeah, I think he's off the radar in points leagues for the most part. Um, uh, even like in a roto league, like Cole Calhoun's been hitting a bunch of home runs too. I'm not necessarily like... I didn't. I pointedly did not add Cole Calhoun in in leagues this week, despite the the five home run week. And so, I, I feel like I would be a hypocrite if I said that Patrick Wisdom somehow needs to be more rostered than he currently is, which is sixty six percent. Like that sounds pretty base. high. Yeah, that's true. He's he's probably as rostered as he needs to be. But I do. I am starting him in the f- podcast for the people league, which is head to head categories, sixteen teams, and. He probably needs to be somebody's third baseman in that format. Somebody dropped him in my 15-team NFBC main event league. That's a 15-team roto. So I scooped him up for $23 out of a $1,000 budget, so 2%. You're you're in constant search of an upgrade when you have somebody like that in your lineup. But like he was was on a 40-homer pace last year, and he's doing similar things this year. So you just... You, you, you got to take the, the bad with the good. It only took me 45 minutes, but we're here. Josh Rojas hit three home runs on Friday, a triple <laughs> dong, but he left Saturday's game yeah. after getting hit by a pitch on his hand. So it's kind of weird because he had this awesome game, but now he's banged up, not really sure what to do right. with Josh Rojas. Uh, Scott, what do you think? He was almost my, oh my goodness gracious player. Yeah, we're just now getting to him. <laughs> well, it sounds like it's a day-to-day injury, and, and I don't know that if you're adding him, it's to put him in your lineup right away anyway. He was pretty disappointing last year, but has that incredible those incredible minor league numbers he put on put up in 2019 that we're still uh, hanging on to. A couple things about this. Okay, so the wind was blowing out 25 miles per hour <laughs> to center field at Wrigley on Friday. So it was one of those Wrigley games where like everybody hits a ton of home runs. David Peralta had two uh, in addition to Rojas's three. However, I will note that all three of Rojas's were over 400 feet. I'll also note that he has a better launch angle this year, a higher hard hit rate, that's still not a great one, and a better K rate. So he's doing things better than he did them last year, and he also has three stolen bases already. I think he's only played like a couple weeks because he was hurt, right? Yeah, Yeah, 15 games. Yeah, so he's he's looking, in that small sample, he's he's looking better. He's looking like he's, he's eligible like everywhere. So I can see adding him in like a roto league is, you know, just add him to your bench and, and see where it goes. Especially if he's going to be some kind of stolen base source for you. I think he can be like a 15-15 guy who doesn't kill you in, in batting average. How about this, Chris? Here's the comp. The good version of Trent Grisham. I was thinking like what we wanted Oscar Mercado to be a couple years ago. So yeah, I think those are kind of the same guy. Yeah, maybe a 250, 260, like a 15, 15 pace for Josh Rojas. He's 37% rostered. He's got second, third base, shortstop, and outfield eligibility. I like him more than the other hitters we've mentioned so far. So ahead of Profar, ahead of Patrick Wisdom, I would easily make those swaps. Darren Ruff hit a double dong on Friday, and he's having a very solid May, hitting 333 in the month, three homers, three doubles, 13 RBI. He's 15% rostered, first base, and outfield eligibility. He's been playing a little bit more consistently. Chris, are you looking to add Darren Ruff anywhere? 
not really like a 12 team context. I don't think the playing time is too sporadic, but I think he'll be good when he plays. Like it was weird how bad he was to start this season. So I, I do feel pretty confident that Ruff is going to be productive when he plays. I just don't think it's enough to to matter too much in a 12 team league. Here's something weird I noticed with Ruff. Like he got off to a bad start. His he's still batting 240 or whatever. Yeah. Uh, he has he doesn't start all that regular. He he already has 21 runs on the year, which is a pretty good number. Uh, like counting. I mean, he's got 154 plate appearances, so it's not yeah, it's I mean, not it, like he's not playing at all. He they're, actually they're putting him, they're yeah. having him pinch hit a lot in games and stay in the game. Yeah, so kind of like kind of like the Cardinals did with Gorman on Saturday, which NL teams can afford to do more now than maybe we're used to. Amazingly. He's actually leading the Giants in plate appearances. That's that is even though he's he's sat about I don't know a fifth of their starts their game so far. I think any five outfielder league rough needs to be rostered. I still think better days are ahead and maybe starting for him. He's absolutely crushing lefties this year too. Nine thirty four OPS, but against righties. 620, so not yeah. too great there. Some names in deeper leagues. Jonathan VR is heating up. He's, he's batting 308 with two homers, two steals over his last seven games. Michael Chavis is hot right now. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer over his last four games, he's 11 hits, two homers. Brett Phillips' his last six games for the Rays, he's got 10 hits, two homers, three steals. Emmanuel Rivera with the Kansas City Royals had three hits this weekend, including two home runs. And then Lane Thomas, back-to-back multi-hit games, including a home run on Saturday. He has started four straight games with three of those coming against right-handed pitchers. Seems like he's kind of taking over that starting center field job uh, from Victor Robles. Scott, do you have any interest here? Lane Thomas, Emmanuel Rivera, Brett Phillips, Kevin Kiermeyer, Michael Chavis, and Jonathan Villar. I did put in, in in some of my deeper leagues, some of those 15-team Roto leagues, my very, very last waiver claim after all the others failed, Emmanuel Rivera. I did put in a few claims for him. He's third baseman, uh, showed good power so far. Not a great on-base guy, but has, has been productive so far and was productive in the minors the past couple years too. So I think, I think in those deep leagues somebody you could consider taking a flyer on. All right, let's check in on some of these polarizing starting pitchers. Robbie Ray this weekend, eight-plus strikeouts uh, in three straight games. This time he did it at Boston. He gave up four runs over six innings. He did have those eight strikeouts, 17 swinging strikes for Robbie Ray. And then Shane Bieber posted his first double-digit strikeout start of the season. He was up against the Tigers on Sunday. He gave up three runs. Two of those were earned. He had 10 strikeouts, 24 swinging strikes. Chris, what did you see from these two, Robbie Ray and Shane Bieber? Yeah, Bieber, it was a ton of swinging strikes. I think it was, what, 23, 24? Yeah, season high for him. Um, 11 of them came on the slider. I think seven of them on the fastball. The fastball being effective yeah. was really surprising because the velocity was still you know in the 90 to 91 range. So it, it wasn't like he fixed that issue. It wasn't like he was spinning the ball a ton like he has in the past. His spin rate was actually down from his season average. So that was weird, and I'm inclined to just chalk that specific part of it, the fastball being effective, to just this is a crummy Tigers lineup. But, you know, I I think it's a a reminder that we can get kind of doom and gloomy about someone like Shane Bieber when things aren't going well. We can talk about all the ways that things can go wrong, but he's still, like, I don't think he's going to be Zach Plezak. You know, I think he's still going to be an effective pitcher. There's a reason he's still in my top 20, even though I've been concerned. And I, I think the thing to keep in mind with Shane Bieber and potentially with Robbie Ray is that it's likely not so much that they can't be good, but that there's a thinner margin for error every time they go out there and there's more risk of them blowing up. And so I think you could see a situ- scenario where Robbie Ray and Shane Bieber are still effective pitchers who put up decent fantasy numbers. It's just the the ride along the way could be pretty rocky. All right, let's go to the other side here. Two pitchers might have some concern over. Trevor Rogers hit hard once again on Friday against the Braves. He gave up five runs over four innings pitched. Julio Arias 
He was solid, actually, against the Phillies. Five shutout with five strikeouts. But his fastball velocity was down once again to... It was down one mile per hour. His curveball was down 1.3. Uh, Scott, are you worried about Trevor Rogers and or Julio Arias? More worried about Rogers. I am... Um, Naturally. Yeah, I am. I am not that confident in him at all at this point. Like, I wonder... I wonder how many starts we are away from having the the drop conversation with him. I don't think we're there yet, but he hasn't earned that long of a leash. Uh, and the season's a quarter over now. So, <sighs> yeah, I mean, and that changeup's really not coming around for him. So I'm pretty worried. I'd go, I don't know how you calibrate the worryometer. I'll go uh, seven <laughs> on Rodgers. <laughs> yeah, like... That's the it's really I come back to the changeup like in this start his fastball and his slider got hit hard and he didn't get a lot of swings and misses with anything but the changeup 95 mile per hour average exit velocity allowed only three whiffs on 27 pitches it's just mm-hmm. continuing to be an issue his his whiff rate is uh, I believe below 20 percent with that changeup now which. You know, yeah. from from where it was, it was twenty one percent last year. It was thirty four percent. The quality of contact metrics are much worse. It's just it's, uh, even when he it's came up as a rookie for and had like a six ERA, you'd, you'd look at that changeup and like, oh, yeah. there may be something here because of that pitch, you know. Yeah. But that's it's just yeah. Uh, it, but it's also like Miami's track record with the changeup in particular with their pitchers has been so strong that like. I have to feel like they're like that's such an organizational focal point for them that you have to think they'll figure it out. You know, like the the changeup is kind of the the signature pitch for the Marlins. Uh, but it's frustrating because I don't know what the specific explanation is beyond just it's a bad pitch right now. Mm-hmm. I read an article this weekend that suspected he might be tipping his pitches. That's Trevor yeah, Rogers. That, they've been saying that all year. Yeah. yeah. Everything is going right. Like, what can go wrong will go wrong for Rogers right now. And and the problem is his fastball was like it got a lot of whiffs last year, but it, it tended to get hit pretty hard and, and there were reasons to be concerned about that. But mm-hmm. when the changeup is going well he can overcome that. I, I don't think he can without it. All right, let's take a look at some studs from the weekend, studs being studs, a pitcher addition, Adam Wainwright, seven innings, one run, three strikeouts at the Pirates, Eric Lauer, a strong bounce back versus the Nationals, seven shutout with five strikeouts for him. Alec Manoa has allowed two earned runs or fewer in each of his eight starts. He went eight innings on Saturday against the Reds, four strikeouts there. Joe Musgrove is now eight for eight in quality starts this season. He went seven shutout with four strikeouts at the Giants. Scott, anything on Musgrove, Manoa, Lauer, Wainwright? Not really. The, the velocity on Lauer's fastball has been trending down lately. It hasn't collapsed and, and returned to where it was last year, but it's trending the wrong direction, and we've seen the swinging strikes do the same. So I'm not bailing on Eric, Eric Lauer or anything, but it's something to keep an eye on. Would you look I'll, I'll to try say, and... Sorry, Chris. Would you look to try and sell high... Now, Scott, while you can. I mean, that's generally not not the way I operate. Like, if okay, if I had a need, a hitting need, and I had a pitching surplus, Eric Lauer is the pitcher I would probably try to use to meet that that hitter need. Mm-hmm. Makes but sense. Just sell, sell for the sake of selling. That's probably not. Well, go ahead, Chris. Uh, I was gonna just point out, like Alec Manoa's strikeout rate is way down. Um, it's down to 22% now. Last year is at 28%. Obviously, the results have still been incredible. He's getting a ton of walks. Um, but it's just something to keep an eye out with Alec Manoa. He gives up a lot of fly balls. So far, that hasn't really hurt him. Um, but, you know, it's he's on the, the wrong side of two of the three, as Scott likes to call them, the legs of the FIP stool or fit triangle. Um, <laughs> I haven't used that one in a couple and of years. So, uh, you know, that's something to keep in mind, but the, there's a lot to like in the underlying numbers for Alec Manoa still. The, the fastball and slider combination especially still looks pretty impressive. So definitely not a panicky thing, but just something I'm I'm monitoring. 
I really like for Manoa that the walks have been down tremendously this year. He's basically yeah. cut his walk rate in half. Uh, the swinging it's elite now. The swinging strike rate is actually a tad better than it was last year. So mm-hmm. I would trust that the strikeouts will come. Maybe not to like the 10K per nine he had last year, but I think Manoa is probably more of like a strikeout per inning kind of pitcher. Uh, SP studs being studs part two. Carlos Rodon, solid bounce back against the Padres. Uh, six shutout. No, six innings with two two runs allowed, six strikeouts. Justin Verlander, three scoreless outings in a row. He had 15 swinging strikes and eight strikeouts, so you like to see those whiffs get back on track. Yep. Those, those have been going up for him. Brandon mm-hmm. Woodruff turned in his second quality start of the season, six innings, one run, six strikeouts. And then Nathan Avaldi had a very nice bounce back on Sunday, six innings, two runs, 11 strikeouts to one walk. Chris, anything on Rodon, Verlander, Woodruff, Avaldi? No, not really. I, I think, um, yeah, I might quibble with Evaldi belonging in this discussion. I, I would imagine we all moved him down uh, in our most recent update. At least I did. But, you know, I, he's still worth having. I just don't know if I'd call him a stud. That's fair. It was a studly performance, but he's yes. probably not a stud himself. He's pretty close to my start. Isn't he? But yeah, he was a stud in this game. He's, yeah. he's more like top 40 while these others are top. 15. Yeah. Yep. Top 10, potentially. Hitting leftovers from the weekend. Marcelo Zuna is heating up over his last eight games. He's got 10 hits, including four home runs. Ronald Acuna has three steals in five games since returning from the groin injury. He now has seven steals total. He's a freak. He's awesome. Huge weekend for Randy Arozarena. And if you had have him on your team, you needed to see this. Eight hits, a double dong on Saturday. He added a steal on Sunday. And all of a sudden in May... Randy Rosarena batting 321, four homers, four steals. The ground ball rate is down. The average exit velocity, 91.9 miles per hour. So good news for him. Trevor Story hit two more home runs this weekend following his three-homer game on Thursday night. you love to see it. Bo Bichette had a double dong on Saturday. He's bounced back in May. And Chris, I saw you tweeting about Mookie Betts this weekend. He's Mookie Betts. He's He's really good, once again. He hit two more home runs this weekend. He's batting 273, 10 homers, three steals, 40 runs scored, leads Major League Baseball, and it feels like Mookie Betts hasn't even been that good yet. All of a sudden, he's on like a 245-run plus RBI pace. It's crazy. Like He's he's on pace for almost 100 RBI, in addition to being on pace for like 155 runs. Just It's a... Pretty, awesome. pretty good start for a guy having a bad start. Yeah. The call to the bullpen, some bullpen updates from this weekend for the Cardinals. On Friday, Giovanni Gallegos recorded the final five outs all via strikeout for his eighth save. And then on Saturday, Ryan Helsley picked up his second save of the season. For the Twins on Friday, Yohan Duran recorded five outs across the seventh and eighth innings. Emilio Pagan allowed a run but picked up his sixth save. And then on Sunday, uh, Duran was back in action. He pitched a clean ninth for his third save. So for Oakland on Friday, Danny Jimenez pitched a clean ninth inning for his eighth save. For the Diamondbacks on Saturday, Mark Melanson gave up two more runs but picked up his ninth save you of know, the season. What's amazing about that is uh, last year, the Diamondbacks' top three guys who – the top three finishers and saves for the Diamondbacks combined for 16 saves – this year, the top three guys have 15. Already for the Diamondbacks? Yeah. They have been a surprising yeah, Melanson, team so far. Mantiply, and, and Kennedy have... I mean, they've had three like fantasy-relevant guys get saved so far. Yeah. So, just goes to show you last year's results, especially when it comes to save totals and close games and all that, uh, are, are not you know, necessarily going to tell you much about the upcoming season. Oh, there's so much volatility year over year. If they had 22 saves last year as a team, if they for, had 15 already, if for nothing else, there's so much volatility in just bullpens and relievers year over year. Mm-hmm. One year's amazing reliever could come back the next year and just look awful and, and vice mm-hmm. versa. It, it's there's so much volatility at that position. It, it's pretty crazy for the blue Jays. Jordan Romano returned this weekend. He had two more saves. He's now up to 14 for the Red Sox. Cue the, uh, the Benny Hill music because another fun one this weekend, Saturday, Hansel Robles pitched in the seventh inning in a tie game. Matt Barnes later p- pitched in the ninth. He picked up his second save and his yeah. fastball velocity 
was basically where it was last year mm-hmm. in this outing. I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm hopeful for Barnes. It's who Alex Cora's wanted in the role all along. Mm-hmm. And we've spent a few outings in a row now with the velocity back up. They haven't all been clean innings. So, you know, it's, it's certainly not an open and shut case, but it was encouraging to see Barnes get the save here on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And this is a c- scenario where someone can take it and run. Yeah. And, you know, presumably Barnes will get that opportunity. Hansel Robles then returned on Sunday and uh, he was in for the save and he gave up a game tying solo home run. So maybe the next time out, we'll see Barnes at it once again for the Reds on Sunday, Alexis Diaz pitched in the seventh and eighth innings. He was perfect with three strikeouts. Art Warren pitched in the ninth. He picked up his second save of the season to stream or not to stream. Let's start with Monday. Chad cool at the pirates revenge game. JT Brubaker versus the Rockies. Drew Smiley at the Reds. Tyler Anderson at the Nationals, Tucker Davidson versus the Phillies, Marco Gonzalez versus the A's, and Adrian Hauser at the Padres. You know, this isn't a bad this isn't a bad group, I think. No, it's not. I kind of like Cool. I like Anderson. I kind of like uh Gonzalez. I agree. Yep, those those are the three for me too. Anderson, Tyler Anderson's my number one choice. Yeah. All right, let's move over to Tuesday. We've only got three names here. Still lots of TBDs on the schedule for Tuesday. Bruce Zimmerman at the Yankees, Nick Pavetta at the White Sox, Dane Dunning at the Angels. Pavetta. I would guess Pavetta is going to be too rostered to be available for this uh, on Monday's podcast or Tuesday's podcast. That's fair. So pick him up now so you can stream him on Tuesday. He's uh, he's 65% rostered is Nick Pavetta. All right, we're going to wrap there. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.